Osiris. Before we get into today's episode, I want to take a second to tell you about Factor. Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Head to factormeals.com stormsound50 and use code stormsound50 to get 50% off your first box and along with two free wellness shots per box while the subscription is active. That's code stormsound50 at factormeals.com stormsound50 to get 50% off your first box and two free wellness shots per box while your subscription is active. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hello and welcome to episode two of Always Almost There, a Goose podcast series on We Move Through Stormy Weather. My name's Brian, a.k.a. Jive Goose. I'm Ryan. And I'm Neil. And I'm Danny. The four of us are here today to talk about Goose's arena debut for the 8th annual Goosemas concert on February 26, 2022. So this was an incredibly special night for the band and audience alike. But before we go into the show breakdown, I think we need to address the popped cherry in the room. <laughs> this was uh, this was our good buddy... Ryan Storm's very first Goose show. So Ryan, why don't you take us through it? Well, um, I, you know, it was an absolutely incredible night. I was lucky enough to uh, rage the show on the floor, Peter's side, with our good friend uh, Meal Laundry here. Um, uh, and thank you to Meal, who was wearing uh, his Gong Gang hat, uh, which enabled me to find myself in the webcast uh, yesterday. Gong Gang. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was an absolutely incredible experience, you know, finally being able to uh, experience live what I have been listening to um, so much for the last two years. You know, it, it's it's just over two years to the day um, when I, I first heard that hot tea from 125.20 um, and was hooked. Um, and, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. Um, so I, I'm, I'm ready to, I'm ready to go super in depth on this show. Um, 
you know, this absolutely incredible night. Uh, I think before we talk about the show, I want to talk a little bit about um, the experience at Mohegan Sun itself. Um, you know, going in, obviously, um, I haven't seen a goose in a theater or a smaller venue yet, like a lot of other people have. Um, so I, I don't have a frame of reference on how their sound translated to the arena from that smaller uh, venue. I will have a better idea um, tomorrow night. Uh, I'm coming to you live from Washington, D.C. right now. Uh, looking forward to the two-night run at the 930 Club this week. Um, but um, to me, you know, the sound in Mohegan I had heard wasn't very good, but from where my vantage point was on the floor, it sounded fantastic. Um, I think, you know, what stuck out to me all night, I think Neil will agree, um, Ben Atkin, you know, it, it was his night. Um, he shined constantly, you know, he got engaged, like it was the whole nine yards. And I, that was just um, incredible. The energy in the room was off the charts and we'll talk more about it uh, in specific songs. But I, you know, I had a smile on my face the whole night. Um, my legs were so sore after the show, from <laughs> dancing really hard. And it was just incredible. What, what do you guys, you know, Neil, what did you think of the venue? Um, you know, it's my, my second time at that venue seeing uh, this kind of show. Uh, I was there for Fish in 2019. Um, you know, uh, quick hits on like what I thought about like this particular show. Um, it was loud. It was yes. very, very loud inside that venue. And the low end was coming through really loudly all night. And it actually, I think, increased in volume as the night went on. Um, which was pretty interesting, obviously peaking in the third set where it was, uh, you know, pretty, pretty outrageous, uh, mm -hmm. which we'll get into. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I mean, it, that was my first arena goose show, obviously, cause it was everybody's first arena goose show. And, um, I don't know what my, my number of shows is at, but it's, it's like somewhere in the 20 range, but, um, yeah, it's my first time experiencing anything like that. And, um, it was, uh. It was a sight to behold. Yeah, and, and B and uh, D, you guys were both webcasting uh, from home. Um, I know, uh, B, you were webcasting with our good friend Kev, who is unfortunately not able to join us for this episode. Uh, but he will be back for the next one. Um, but what, what did you guys, um, you know, as, as the show began, just watching it on the webcast, you know, not talking about specific songs yet, but just how the energy in the room uh, came through on the webcast? Yeah, I mean, I, I um, <clears throat> from the moment that, that they brought the stream live, uh, just the shot, you know, of the crowd of the stage, you could tell that it was pretty, pretty big, big arena, uh, definitely much bigger in size. I mean, Ryan and I and Kevin as well, we were out at Mission Ballroom, which was what, 4,000 or so, I think. And that felt big, but this one, this venue looked bigger. Um, lights were huge. I could, you could tell from the start, you know, the rig was big and we had seen a couple preview shots. Um, and then of course, uh, the grand piano on stage caught my eye. So I think, you know, there was immediate excitement as, as you guys have said, um, just for, you know, the rescheduling, the delay that they had, was this show going to happen? Of course they put the date out right away, but I think, you know, it was sort of, we were all unsure a little bit. And so, it's been cool to see things kind of take a turn for the better coming off leg one. And yeah, really excited. I just had a great time. I can't wait to talk about the night. How about you, Brian? Yeah. Yeah. So the sound was great. The vibe definitely came through. 
uh, super just celebratory mood. Uh, like you said, I was hanging with Kev, so we were having a blast and yeah, it looked like a really, really fun night. I was, I was jealous of, of both Ryan and Neil and of course everyone else who was there. Uh, and I'm, I, I'm probably speaking for many others, uh, when I say that it was, it was really a joy to witness via Twitter, young Ryan <laughs> attending his first goo show. He was bursting. I, I, I think he cried a lot. <laughs> I didn't cry. Definitely some tears. I've got some notes. <laughs> I've got some notes and video. Uh, <laughs> Uh, hey, actually, this is a good point uh, to bring up because like people keep asking, like, why is it Ryan's first show? Uh, yes. So, um, Ryan, why is it? Why was that your first show? Well, if, if anybody didn't know by now, I'm Canadian, and um, I had the misfortune of discovering Goose um, about a month before the world shut down, um, and so all the shows that they've played since um, have been, um, you know, across a or, or they were across a closed border. Um, for me, you know, I, a couple of times I was tempted to do the two week quarantine, um, that was in place at the time, uh, in order to see goose. Um, but you know, the only time they came close enough, I was already up at summer camp. Um, and so, and, and then last fall, um, you know, they weren't really near me. And so this was my first opportunity. Um, and I would like to thank, um, you know, the incredible photographer, Jake Silko, um, who has brought me along with him on this little leg of tour um, as his assistant slash driver um, and made it possible for me to um, attend Goosemas um, because I wasn't going to be able to make uh, the date originally and um, it just it worked out really, really well. So thank you, Jake. Um, I, they I let you drive? They let you drive in this country, Ryan? I have my, I have my driver's license. I'm old enough. 21. <laughs> let's, let's talk about, let's talk about let's the do music. It. Yeah, let's talk about the music. How about that? So, I mean, from the get-go, you know, set one opens with uh, Linus and Lucy, the holiday classic that I, for some reason, um, thought was too obvious a pick to put on my fantasy goose. Um, I hit two songs the whole night, but I don't care. Um, <laughs> Peter's, Peter, um, you know, Peter's grand piano on display. I would like to take this first opportunity to remind everybody that this is not a baby grand piano. Peter made it very, very clear that this was not a baby grand. No training wheels for the mustache man Handini himself. That's a C7 grand piano that he was playing on stage that he stood on. And that was so sick. Very, very, very special moment uh, to see that on stage. And, you know, you hear it. Um, Peter spent a lot of time um, on that, just like, you know, he spent a lot of time on the clav after he first got it, a lot of time. Uh, on that organ after he first got it, um, just really enjoying uh, the new depth to his piano sound that you don't normally get uh, with the Nord. And so that was really, really cool, really evident from the get-go on Linus and Lucy. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on this great holiday standard? I thought it was a great pick. Um, I, I wrote down, it's like, how can one not love opening a show with Linus and Lucy? But and I thought it was enough. It's enough of a Christmas vibe, but you don't really have like a direct lyric, uh, obviously, um, any, of course. So I, I think that's fun. Just the the line, the the hook, just immediately like gets me dancing. Like the first, anytime I put that song on, it's it's like let's go. So it was it was a perfect opener. 
Yeah, and I also do not want to talk about Fantasy Goose tonight. <laughs> <laughs> he is no I, longer I did, in the top spot. <laughs> I, thank you. I did have Linus and Lucy uh, as my one-pointer, but had I had I waited to make my picks and had seen the festive display and the grand piano, I may have bumped that Linus and Lucy up. Kids, it never pays to make your picks early. <laughs> there can be a late injury. There can be a late song injury. We've talked yeah. about this. Yep. Yep. My picks go in. I see on show day. Just a quick, a quick sidebar. On show day, what I've been doing so far this year is I wake up, I do my wordle, and then I do (laughs) my fancy picks. You know what? You you're in a different time zone than me. I don't wake up at five o'clock in the morning. I I wake up. Getting off topic here. Can we talk about the show, please? I wake up every I wake up every show morning to my phone blowing up with Ryan. I got got my picks in. in. You know what? I take pride in being organized. Let's talk about Yeti here. Um, Also, I guess kind of a Christmassy reference because true Yeti. Um, But this you know blew up the energy after the the Linus and Lucy Lucy Linus and Lucy uh, amuse bouche, if you will. Um, great guitar solo from Peter. This is where he did, uh, do his, uh, you know, like rock star, um, on the grand piano stance during a solo, which was great. Um, just energy ramping up, uh, from the get go. Uh, you know, everyone was dialed in immediately. Um, not, nothing, you know, nothing out of the box here, but very nice Yeti. Straightforward. Yeah. Did what Yeti does, right? Like little slappy slappy on the bass and like gets everybody moving and then Peter does some rock star theatrics and you know, it it, it brought the, the crowd in and I think this is like the the first moment actually, um, and I think we're gonna say this a bunch when we're talking about the show, where like, you know, Goose really kinda did the arena thing. Um I did the arena thing. Yeah, and like it it, it you know, it all translated. It it worked well in like really small venues and it worked really well at Mohegan Sun. Yeah. Um and then, um, you know, little slappy, slappy, shreddy, shreddy, if you will. Yeah. Um, then, then we move into the first um, 2022 tune of the night uh, in Atlas Dogs. Um, first jammer of the night as well, really. Um, also first clav appearance of the night, uh, I'd like to note. Uh, however minor it was, I did turn to Neil and um, express my delight that Peter was playing the clav. Um, wouldn't be the last time. Um, but I, I really enjoyed seeing Atlas Dogs live. Um, you know, the jam was great. Um, got into this, uh, like mellow funk jam with some vintage vibe, uh, on the back end, um, which was great. Nothing again, nothing too outside the box, um, as would be a theme, um, for the show, uh, for most of it, but that is not a bad thing. Um, you know, I, I think this show works without a massive 25 minute jam, on the level of the Perio Western Sun or San Francisco Wisteria. Like, this was a state. And, and, and you know, from the first notes of the show to the end, they're, they're making that arena statement, an Atlas, an Atlas fit with it. Yeah, I love this song. Good song. Um, not, not too much different from what you said. More, you know, more Peter on the Grand I had. Um, there was a cool little sort of they dropped the tempo down and got really sort of patient and quiet for a little moment, uh, which I loved to see. It's They're taking sort of those risks. We've seen that quite a bit in the first leg, sort of dropping the whole jam out and building it up slowly off of Peter. Um, 
I also had a note for sure, like a strong dark horse tease. I even remember writing you guys and, and just being like, whoa, I thought it was like the dark horse intro, even the new one. Um, but yeah, Atlas Dogs, is, it's a fun, it's a very fun song. I thought, I thought this was a, this was quite a strong jam actually. And mm-hmm. I, I think we will talk about the lack of a 20 to 25 minute jam and what does that mean? But I will say that Atlas Dogs was, was the first of essentially six. Arcadia fell a touch short, but, but there were six 15 plus minute jams. So mm. this show was not void of jamming. I, I know there was, there was talk on socials about that. And so, so I know we'll talk about it a little bit as we go through this, but I really liked this jam. The, not the balls to the wall version in Portland. I liked the, some real nice chill jamming over the last five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you, you both were alluding to that as well. And I like how, especially with these new songs, Pancakes kind of did the same thing in Louisville where it had a really nice chill jam before going big. So mm-hmm. not all of these songs have to be full on dance parties, full on 20 minute dance parties every time. I'm okay with that. I really enjoyed this version. Um, you know, again, uh, maybe maybe not too far outside of the box, like you were saying, Ryan, but, but still some really good jamming there. I, I really liked it. Yeah. Well, and I wouldn't even argue, I'd argue, pardon, you know, jumping off ahead of you, Neil. I don't even want them raging all the time, right? We want that at least. Like, I want space. I want patience. And that's what we're getting lately. It's just like, this is awesome to see. And like you've said, they can pack it into 14, 15 minute songs, create some diversity, but they don't have to spend 25 minutes to do so. And if they want to play songs on a big night like this, let's do it. You know, hit, 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 hit a couple more tracks. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I'll add to that is that uh, one thing Goose has been doing lately uh, really well is having very efficient jams. And I think this is a really good example of that, right? Like the San Francisco Wisteria is a good example. I think that, you know, comes in at about 18 minutes. This is like around 15 minutes, right? Um, you know, this one didn't do the things that San Francisco Wisteria did, but it it is an example of like a very good, efficient jam in the moment you know, through two sets at that show, like I was like, that's the jam of the show. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's fantastic and, and it doesn't need to be a 25 minute mind bender. It doesn't. Um, that one definitely was pretty great. Yep. Yep. Nice transition yeah. into Echo. How about it? How about it, Ryan? What'd you think of that? I, I loved it. You know, Echo is one of my favorite songs. Um, I mean, you guys know I, I do I do miss the older arrangement, um, but I do still absolutely love uh, this one. I love that they've they're you know it, it's more of a jam vehicle now than the older arrangement was for sure. Um, and this one, you know, did didn't stay, didn't really stray too far out of the box. But this one really really raged was great, um, and um, you know we may not have gotten the the echo of a rose with. Um, but it was, uh, another fantastic, again, another fantastic 15 minute jam, um, really, really solid, really playing to that arena sound, um, which is like, just, just working. Like it, it just, it, it fit it. I, you know, I didn't feel, you know, again, I haven't heard goose in a theater setting yet, but they felt so at home. And I'm going to say that 
so many more times uh, when we talk about this show, but they felt so at home in the arena um, on Saturday. Like, it was phenomenal. Um, yeah. What do you guys think of the Echo? Um, well, you know, I, I was saying this earlier when we were talking about it. Uh, I think, you know, I like a good high energy Echo. That was that. We've talked about this a bunch. It's almost becoming a meme at this point. Um, I repeat it often enough, but a uh, huge fan of that song, um, you know, coming into the 15 minute mark with a big high energy ending. But the thing that kind of sets this one apart, I think, from others is there's a stretch where Rick and Peter are doing what Rick and Peter do. But uh, the real star of that that jam is is Ben. Um, and he was absolutely destroying the drums in that song. Um, and I, I yeah, that was like the first indication of like things to come in this show uh, where Ben had a little extra gear at the show. Uh, we didn't know yet why, uh, but um, yeah, he had a little something extra in the tank. My, my notes literally spuds kicks up a new beat. The end. I, I agree. Totally. Neil the, yeah, I thought this version was straightforward. Um, they kind of almost touch on the Portland like intro part of the jam around the 10 minute mark and i can you can tell they kind of want to go somewhere else it's it's not that space and uh yeah there's like two two three minutes where ben just really is like driving and um they find something you know like again we know they're moving on to another song doesn't really sort of push the idea out there but yeah i thought it was good how about you brian yeah i liked it um it stayed high energy i agree maintained the tempo even through that return to the final chorus versus kind of slowing it down to the more kind of reggae-ish return. Probably my third favorite behind Portland, obviously, and Minneapolis, uh, I really like. But yeah, good version. And again, you know, I'm close to 16 minutes here. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't call it short and sweet. Uh, it had a nice jam to it, for sure. Efficiency. Um, and then the first set closes with um, a nice pairing of So Ready and Silver Rising. Uh, so Ready was great to see live. You know, uh, both Rick and Peter ripped it up uh, on their solos. And uh, Silver Rising, uh, you know, with the reworked arrangement, so, so good. Um, so pretty. I love this song. Um, you know, it's the closest thing I think we got to a ballad all night. Um, I think it's a bit closer to a ballad than Born is. Um, and and I love you know Peter's uh, siren synth uh, in this one. I it was just it was a great way to end the set, especially after I think everybody thought we were done after so ready. Yeah, I remember. I, Go ahead. I I love this song. I it's probably right be, behind Born for me, in terms of of the new originals. Now. Dripfield might might have something to say about that in my book, but uh, I Need love Silver Rising. I love the changes that they made. Feel the rush, taste the blood, run my love, it's the only... Yeah, the harmonies is sweet. There, there, will, be, there will be a full vocal cover coming from Jive Goose. Uh, the so way out now, don't turn around or you'll see the beast that I'll become. I'm pretty sure this is a werewolf song, not a ballad. There you go. <laughs> I think um, it's the closest thing to a ballad we got all night. So yeah, very much. I agree. I agree. It was there in terms of tempo and vibe. It was pretty much the one, you know, mellow, mellow track. But uh, 
one thing that we, we should talk about in this is the three-part vocals uh, in, yes. in this song, uh, which I think it's like the really the first time they've ever done something like this where Peter and Rick and Jeff each had a vocal part, and it sounded fantastic. Except uh, Redbird. Redbird, baby. Um, but this was different. Um, like <laughs> it's they're, different. It, it's yeah, I don't know. There, there was something about this one where they were each doing their own piece, and it, I, I really, really loved it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I need to go back and listen to it some more. Um, but man, Jeff, Jeff can really sing. Ryan. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Ryan. What do you, uh, let's move on to the second set. I'm not going to mention anything about right, it. Second let's set. go. I like it. I let's like move it. on to the second set here. Um, okay. Opening up, um, with one of my favorite just songs in general, um, Rockdale. Before we talk about Rockdale, I would like to take the opportunity to shout out Matt Campbell, who I ran into before the show. Um, really, really nice guy. Um, and thank you for writing um, a lot of these songs with Rick. Um, very grateful for it. I know there were a lot of, like, I saw someone on Twitter today who, like, you know, was with Matt while they were playing this and with Empress, and, like, he was loving it. And it's just, you know, really, really cool. Um, so shout out Matt Campbell. Um, hey, Ryan. Yes. Brian, before we go into Rockdale, I also want to make another comment about Goose and Arena Rock. So Peter, I think Peter was pretty proud that they that they kept the set breaks, in his words, short tonight. So mm-hmm. that that set break that break between set one and set two was only twenty four minutes. So. That's pretty short by their standards. <laughs> I did hear that comment. Listen. Listen, he has made no 15-minute promises, and that's like a solid amount shorter than what Goose set breaks normally are. So I'll, I'll, I'll give him credit for that. Yeah, he's smart. He doesn't commit to a number. He just says... We'll be back. Short. It's or short. Soon. Yeah. Short, yeah. And, and, and 40 minutes can be short if you compare it to a six-hour period. So it depends on what kind it's of... It's all relative. Are. It's all relative. It did feel short at the show. I'll, I'll say that. Yes, it did. Well, was that the was that the set break where we were in line? I don't remember. Yeah. Anyway, yep. Rockdale. Um, this one, you know, I, I haven't listened to it enough times to see if my my what I said to Neil at the show holds up. But it was phenomenal. I think it's one of the best versions they've played to date. Again, disclaimer: lots of hasty ranking happening tonight. Um, you know, I, I will refine my rankings uh, in the next couple of weeks. Um, but I absolutely loved it. Great sing-along, uh, everybody grooving. Um, you know, Clav really shines here, um, which I love. You know, translated really well live, um, and it was just really, really great to hear. Neil, I know you had a count on the number of peaks. In yeah, the- well, I mean, you and I were vibing hard off each other in this one. Yes. Uh, I was really excited for, for this song. I'm always really excited for this song whenever they play it. Um, and I was counting peaks. Uh, I'm, I'm 99% certain my peak count was wrong. But I think oh. at the time, like, we were, like, counting them off. And I said, there's five peaks in this jam. Um, and uh, those peaks, it, uh, you know, what I love about this song uh, is kind of the thing that they do where there's, like, dissonance and then peak, dissonance and then peak. Uh, and they did it a bunch in, in this, uh, this one. And, I, yeah, I loved it. They're crushing it right now. Every every version seems to be maybe going just a, a level higher. 
Uh, so this is just another strong one. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a good, it's a, it's a nice, it's a nice set to opener, uh, especially when you, I don't know if we're ready to move on yet, but Redbird coming in in the, in the two spot in the set really, oh, yeah. I think, helps Rockdale as an opener. Yes. Uh, oh, heck you know, yeah. how, did, how did I react when they started Redbird? Yeah, th I mean, again, like that was where we were really feeding off of each other. There was a, a massive amount of excitement. There was tweeting going on, videos. Uh, I'm like really straight stoked burden, that actually, man. yeah, there were other people joining in and, and kind of tweeting their straight bird and stuff. And uh, yeah, man, boy, was that fun. No, it was it. You know what? It, it was so great. I could feel as if everybody in the room knew how excited, you know, where, as if everybody in the room was in on the straight burden. You know, everybody singing along. Um, it was just, it was incredible. Um, again, another fifteen minute jam. Um, really, really solid. But you know, it was just this song now. You know, because of uh, just what you know what we've done with it, just has like such a um, significance to me and it was, it was so great to see it live when I first show. Yeah. I, um, I, I, the moment they kicked it up, uh, I thought of you guys and it was, it was super fun. Everybody there, you know, people were reaching out to me and to us and, uh, that's just, you know, what, what the whole joke was about, but yeah, I mean the song, you know, you, you just mentioned people singing it, Ryan. I mean, who knows one day in an arena or back in a space like that in a couple of years where, the majority of the crowd will be singing a song like that. So it's a cool, that cool thing to think about. Mm -hmm. um, the song itself, I, I liked it. I, I thought it was one of the more unique jams of the night. Like, like you mentioned, you know, had a little length to it. Um, I put, and even called it that night, there was like sort of a Ted Bird feel to it where Trevor got like really liquidy and bouncy, sort of like nice jam for him and his, it's him to shine around kind of seven to nine minute mark. Um, and then they also had this like 90 second maybe period at the end of the jam that was one of the more unique outros. And it just highlights, as we've been saying, sort of these spaces, these like little risks they're willing to take, kind of visit a space, be efficient with it, see if something comes from it, doesn't have to go long, but it's just different. And it's like, it's patient and beautiful. Um, so I, I loved it, love the song too. Yeah, it's it speaks to their communication. I think their their ability to to make those decisions quickly uh, to get to those places in the to get to those spaces in the first place, and then to make those decisions so quickly about you know whether or not they want to pivot, uh, where they want to head next. Uh, the only other thing I, I would add about this one is the the three part harmonies just getting more and more dialed in. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So lo love to hear it. Love to hear it awesome um okay band then moves through uh rosewood heart and the debut of the cover of cinnamon um rosewood solid 11 minute version um again really happy to hear rosewood at my first show um i think the beginning of cinnamon was uh neil's biggest reaction of the night um you know for someone who was running on three hours of sleep and has an injured back um he <laughs> leapt like 20 feet in the air and like, uh, like screaming, <laughs> so that was, I never thought that was we, great. I never thought we would get it. Yeah, uh, you know, the the only disappointment in in that moment was I didn't end up on the soundboard. The you know, <laughs> <laughs> Redbird kind of ended uh, like uh, in in like kind of like a slow uh, like kind of piano thing, uh, and then like that kind of 
came right in. Or I'm sorry, not Redbird. Um, Cinnamon. Rosewood. Rosewood. Yeah, Rosewood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 My bad. Uh, and like that like started happening and I was just like, no way this is even happening. So like I'm screaming and like screaming to Ryan and the the audience is quiet. Like this is not like the end of a song where everybody's like cheering. Like, yeah. Like uh, so that was pretty interesting. We picked up on it like right away. Um, you picked yeah. up on it. I didn't. I was I was stoked for that one, man. I yeah, I really wanted to hear it. I really love that song. Uh, mm-hmm. Love their recording of that song, and you know they delivered too. That was pretty spectacular. Hey, Neil, this is the this is the track, right? It's the intro where Peter's plucking on the grand, right? Yes. Yes. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. So that one, like you guys didn't get to experience that. I'm sure Brian can relate, but I remember they highlighted that and like having the grand was necessary for that piece because you see Peter yeah. reaching over with the grand and and it was, that was really cool. Really, so, really cool. So now I remember as, as Rosewood was ending, Peter pushed the clav away from exactly. him on the piano so he could flip it open um, and dampen the string. So that, that was, that was really cool. Thank you for reminding me of that. Yeah, that was a cool moment. Yeah, definitely. That was great. And yeah, definitely, you know, that that's not a song he can he can't do that with the Nord. So Or he would have to sample it, but it, you know, yes, but you can't do it as authentically with the Nord. Yeah, right? that's true. So the Rosewood was one of the more standard songs of the night, which is generally not, usually not the case for Rosewood. Uh, we, we commented before about how the three leg one Rosewoods were all over 20 minutes. And uh, yeah, so this one, this one was a bit more straightforward, but they, they love the song. I'm always happy to hear it. I love the song as well. And then Sinnerman, so cool to see Rick's, Rick's vocals, uh, whether it's, whether it's this song or, Dripfield, Born, so this 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 slew of new songs. Rick's vocals are so strong and confident in all these songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, this Cinnamon mm-hmm. probably isn't the easiest song to go out and sing in front of uh, a huge crowd of people. So uh, just just amazing work. And I I thought the live version came across so much better in my opinion than the studio recording. And and if I'm honest. I didn't give that studio recording very many listens. I moved on from it rather quickly, but just in the last few days, this has been on my kind of list of, of songs that I've had on, on repeat or groups of song of songs that I've had on repeat from this show. So hopefully it's something that we do see again. Hopefully Peter can make it work without, without having the grand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it live, but, and then, Set closer. Set closer. Set closer. Oh wait! Before we move on, uh, one thing I wanted to point out in that one is yes. that in, in the studio recording, they obviously had like a guest vocalist, uh, female vocalist uh, uh, for Cinnamon, uh, which I, I think sounded pretty great on, on the recording. Uh, what was really cool about uh, the live version of Cinnamon was Peter and Jeff uh, doing like harmonized backup vocals, which I thought sounded fantastic. Uh, sounded like. Really amazing live, and then uh, just listened to it on the board for the first time right before we're doing this, and and really enjoyed the heck out of it. And so I'm looking forward to like more versions of this too. Mm-hmm. Set closer. Well, set closer. You know, after Cinnamon ended, 
Um, I saw I saw Rick turn towards Ben and start doing that like little bounce he does when he's about to count in Empress. Um, and I grabbed Neil and I like started screaming, and then and then they started the song and I started screaming even louder because you know Empress is one of my favorite Goose songs. Um, I it was just I I was so happy that they played it. Neil, I mean you have a better description of what my reaction. I, I think I may have vetted you in this one. Uh, yeah, no, I was expecting it. You called it before they even played a note. I don't know how you did that, but uh... again, Rick turns to bed and starts doing this little like bounce thing. Yeah, as he's counting it in. Uh, and cool thing about this version was it was like very piano heavy and not very clav heavy. Um, yeah, no clav. My memory of it. No clav. Yeah, right. No um, and you know, spectacular with that that piano. It sounded so good. Uh, mm. And then sounds also really good on the boards. Yeah, and they also, they faked us out a little bit. You know, they went from the jam into that, like, kind of more Teddy, spacey jam, and then built that back into the first jam again for, like, another peak, which was really cool. Um, and, yeah, it was just, it, it was a great, you know, very standard Empress, like, comes in just under 14 minutes, but absolutely loved it. Dancing yeah. like a mad person. That kind of was, but... Yeah, yeah. I think it just bookended a solid set. I mean, on paper, you know, like we said, nothing crazy is jumping out, but in like top to bottom of the show, I like this is just a set that I would listen to. I could throw this on anytime, front to back. There's no holes. Ending with Empress, opening with Rockdale, combining those two songs. You talked about Matt. I'm sure that was super cool for him and like for them to be able to use those two tracks. Um, just yeah, more statements, perfect for the setting. Mm-hmm. And Matt Campbell, um, somebody said that Matt said that this was the best Empress he's ever heard. Uh, Matt, I would urge you to go and listen to six fifteen twenty one. Oh man, plug. <laughs> Brian, what, Brian, what were your thoughts on this? Yeah, Fair, nothing, nothing really much more to add. Fairly, fairly standard and straightforward. High energy set closer. The I did note a tease. They oh. teased the divided sky paws. <laughs> yes, oh, okay. of course. All right. well, Again, it's becoming pretty standard. Oh, so sick. I forgot about that. Thank I think you. we're getting to a point where it's, it's, you know, it's no longer a tease. It's just like part of the song that happens every time they play. Now it's going to be what Peter does if he initiates the clap in a different way. How was it catching that live, Ryan? Um, that was just, <laughs> it, it was great. You know, everyone was like, you know, everyone was clapping. Everyone was dancing it was just it was great i i think that was the hardest i danced all night uh, it's such a fun song in life it's such a fun song that is that's a cool idea actually d that coming out of the divided sky pause tease to for peter to mix up what he does before he goes into the clap that's actually a really cool idea yeah we, oh it was like it was like jazz hands once jazz hands. jazz hands he did the jazz hands that's right peter Last night, i know you're listening Saturday was just standing <laughs> yeah. there so Peter, give us triggers for new signals coming out of Empress. Do like um, finger guns. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad that that was brought up. It was pretty cool to watch. Like Peter kind of had his arms outstretched and like he was like soaking in the the audience. Uh, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, pretty awesome. It was. And then of course, we all thought the set was over, but there was one more surprise in store. Um, we had an absolutely um, incredible proposal from Ben uh, to his girlfriend Sam, uh, who is now his fiance. 
Um, and it was just really, really great. Everyone was cheering them on as she came on stage and he got down on one knee. Um, I would like to shout out um, Ben's shirt um, as well. When life gives you potatoes, make latkes. Um, quality shirt. shirt. Yeah, quality and, shirt. Uh, congratulations and mazel tov to Ben and Sam. Yeah, congratulations. Congratulations. It was a, a touching moment. We, it was, it was really cool to see him. He kind of, he kind of like was goading her up there a little bit. Like, I think he was saying something like, oh, we're doing, oh, we're doing it. Like you can do it. Like, yeah, (laughs) this is happening. So, so cool, cool moment for sure. Probably. I mean, I would have to say without a doubt, my second top, if I was ranking proposals (laughs) at goose shows, uh, this this is number two. I mean, this is number two on my list. And so. Well done. Well done by Ben and Sam. How many are there? Yeah, that one, there wasn't a dry eye in the house in that one. People were losing their minds. Uh, I was really happy in the moment. Uh, I might have been near tears. Um, two very fantastic people uh, that I've met and, and really, really enjoy their company. So uh, I'm so happy for them. That's, uh, yeah, just a spectacular thing. And, and so glad that, you know, they chose to kind of, or Ben chose to share that with, with everybody because it was... It's really cool, and a lot of people are really stoked about it. Yeah. All right, moving into set three, um, I want to get Brian's take uh, on this Born opener first. Um, you know, obviously, the this, the third set consisted of the first three songs of the upcoming uh, Dripfield album uh, in order. Um, and and this, this was an interesting Born. You know, it didn't have that um, groove jam that was on the first uh, couple of versions. Um, and for me, just in the arena, that beautiful, beautiful build led by like Rick and Peter on the guitar and the synth, it just seemed to stretch forever. And I actually, I walked by um, at one point after I, I said hi to our good friend, uh, Bruce Robinson, as I was walking back to uh, join Neil on the floor, I walked by to, uh, I walked by Micah Atkin and, and Sam Ray, like hugging and crying during the the synth build and it was just a really it was a nice moment um but it was just a really really beautiful rendition um it was i i loved it yes my favorite of the new songs uh like i mentioned this one i think you know i i, I mean honestly I, I think they cut this a little bit short to fit in everything they wanted to fit in that night and i'm mm-hmm. completely okay with that the I would say that when when we compare to the other two versions, the that slow build didn't end up being quite as triumphant as the other versions, in my opinion. I, I and then of course they reworked it a little bit how they brought the vocals in right right into the to the end of that build. But I, I still so great, so great was was very happy to, to see it. And I think at that moment I was a touch disappointed with the lack of jam, but by the end of this set, I, it made sense. It made sense yeah. to me. And, and, and I, I was, I was at it, peace. It was a necessary it. sacrifice. Yeah. And I, like you guys said, um, nothing to note straightforward. I did go and check the endings of the other two versions. So we had, uh, what LA and Seattle and, um, this was the first time that they actually completed the song. Like what we heard on the single 
where the, the track cuts out and it almost sounds like we're going into seekers, what we thought before the track list had come out to, to signify, of course, that it's the next song, Hunger Sight, which we heard. So there's that one sort of line from Rick and then it changes I don't know, keys or whatever. Ryan, you'd be able to sort of obviously explain that better. But yeah, so then we have the trigger for Hunger Sight and it's almost like similar melody but just a little different for me i don't know how to explain it like musically but it sounds very similar to the born line i i love the transition to hunger sight and you know obviously this this song hadn't been released as a single um so this was the first time you know anybody had heard it um i really really liked it um thank you to uh, the great beyond podcast for tweeting that it was indeed hunger sight uh, for all of us who no idea what song it was somebody at the show uh thought i was like a wizard or something because i i had seen on twitter and they were like what song <laughs> is this and i was like hunger sight it's the new one they were like how do you know that man that's so cool yeah that might have been me right no <laughs> <laughs> hungry side it sounded like it sounds like hungry side on the on the soundboard to me i don't know about you guys live i liked it though it's fantastic. And another really, really great jam out of this one. Um, I think, you know, the last two songs uh, of the third set, I think definitely were the standout jams of the night. Um, you know, we'll get to my favorite of the night uh, in, in a second, but this jam was just great. I, I really, really loved it. There's a lyrical connection too. I know I mentioned you guys and before I jump in, Brian, um, I say, is it time to shed our weapons, my friend? And we know now that Hot Tea is on this this album, which for me personally, I was confused with at first. I, I, I didn't really understand it in terms of the timeline of the song. But obviously there's a lyrical reference to um, to Hunger Sight too, where in Tea they say lay your weapons down. So yeah, just a little interesting aside. What did you think of the, the, the debut, Brian? Loved it. Loved it. I It's so fun to hear... Uh, these these new songs and, and hearing them in the order they are on the album and having never heard Hunger Sight before it was it was very cool to 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 witness that so again jealous jealous moment for me of, of all you guys that were at the show here because I'm I'm sure that that was a really cool moment and uh, I don't want to you know I don't want to feed the the haters out there but I I was a bit surprised to to hear and read so many people expressing disappointment in this set i really felt like this was an incredible set now obviously it was a short set and with with the three set show i tend to put i tend to put the the sets aside when i'm kind of critiquing the shows and i and i'm really just looking at the body of music that was played Mm. and this so, so i think i think there's a reason that they did this as its own, as its own little, you'd almost call it a mini set maybe, but it works really, it works really well. I think with what they were doing with, with these new songs off the album, two mm-hmm. debuts, uh, the ninth and 10th original debuts of the year. And, Six. and yeah, this was, this is where I, I would put in quotes that this was a performance. I mean, this show was a performance yes. and they, it was very thoughtful it's easy, I think, to for us, we get caught up in it ourselves with critiquing song selection and setless construction and things Me? like that. And, and and I think sometimes that's warranted. 
but this this was a case where you could you could you can you can just see the thoughtfulness and mm-hmm. hear the thoughtful approach to to this performance. And set three was that that was the that was the main big piece of the night was born hunger sight and drip field uh, being delivered for the first time. So yeah, loved it. Drip field. I loved more. Um, well, wait, and before, another thing that we were talking we about that drip field. Before we talk. Yeah. About yeah. I'm sorry. Field. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead and finish up just, hunger sight thoughts. Just, and just about your point about, you know, how much thought was going into, you know, what songs they played uh, at this show. You know, I had the, uh, awesome opportunity to briefly chat with Jeff uh, after the show, and he mentioned how he was actually really thankful, and I, I think the rest of the band shares a sentiment that that the show got postponed to February um, because you know in December they were looking at probably playing a show of the hits, um, and while that is nowhere near a bad thing, um, you know it getting postponed to February and them getting um, you know that that first uh, leg of the tour into to work on these songs and and debut them live, um, you know they were able to incorporate a lot more of their fresher material in and 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 give us a much more special night, um, you know. And I'm I would never complain about a show where they walk out and play a set that reads you know Wisteria, Arcadia, um, Rosewood, Hot Tea. But also seeing a third set that reads "Born Hunger Sight Dripfield," you know the band's putting themselves out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they're they're consciously choosing to do that. Like they still could have gone out and played Wisteria, Arcadia, Rosewood, Hot Tea, but they didn't. You know they're they're taking the chance on especially two songs that have never been played live before. You know the Dripfield single was only released four or five days before the show, um, and you know I think I think it it went perfectly. Um, any any more thoughts on that before we talk about drip, drip what, what, one more from one more for me sorry um, so just because these songs haven't been played played before that that doesn't automatically make them not hits or bangers exactly right? I, I, I think I think sometimes we people get too caught up in in those words I mean what are the hits with this band what what are the band you know what I mean is 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 Rosewood Heart a banger? Most yes. of the time, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so, look, uh, I this this show had some hits for me, and, and I think that this is I think this is going to end up being a show that 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 gets a lot of replay, certainly for me. And kind of kind of like like you were mentioning earlier, this this is a show. Th- these are sets, and this is a show that you throw on. And I'm not I'm not skipping many tracks here. Uh, when I'm re-listening to that. And, and that's really cool because admittedly, I spend probably far too much time deep in various jam of the year playlists and, and I'm listening to jams so much. I really like having shows like this where I can, for someone like me, I'll put on this show and, and it and it holds my attention and, and I really enjoy kind of listening to the, to the whole performance. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll just say this one thing about um, Been a Hunger Sight before we move on. Um, you know, I love Born too. I hadn't spoken about Born yet. Um, and I, I thought, you know, anytime they, they perform this song, it's always been wonderful. And 
you know, that was obviously my first time seeing it. And I absolutely was completely sucked in. Um, and Hunger Sight was kind of like a, I don't know, like a, a, a setup uh, for what was to come, like a table setter. And uh, I, in and terms of like song selection, uh, I'm, I'm sure like if, if you don't like absolutely devour Goose, like, you know, the four of us do, that must have been like a weird set to watch, right? Like you probably weren't really familiar with any of those songs. But uh, Hunger Sight really set the table for what was to come, and and it was the perfect choice of song. There was no better song to play in that moment. Yeah. Why, why don't you Why don't you let, start us off with Dripfield? Oh, Drip. Drip. <laughs> <laughs> for me, um, I mean, I in my, I was like texting all you guys uh, about this, like as it was happening, and you and uh, I were like grabbing each other and being like. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, like I just couldn't believe it. Um, the 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 low end was so loud at this point. I alluded to that earlier when we started recording. It, like, uh, yeah, it it um, I was like, am I in a rave right now? <laughs> like, it was so loud. Like every part of my body was vibrating, and it just it sounded so incredible. And like that vibe stayed throughout the song. Um, I was yeah, I, I was absolutely blown away by this one. I, I you know. I'll kind of hold my summative thoughts till like you guys kind of weigh in on this one. Uh, Cause I, I do have some thoughts about it, but I, I really want to hear what you guys think. Yeah. I, I mean, Dripfield translated live so, so well, as you mentioned, the drums were just absolutely booming. Like the buildings seemed to be shaking. Crowd was just dialed in to me. The, the jam had a similar, um, had a similar momentum to the San Francisco Wisteria. Very, very, mm -hmm very Tom led, very like, you know, Spuds stepping up, Jeff stepping up, um, you know, really pushing it forward. Um, obviously didn't have the same evil tinge as the San Francisco Wisteria, but I think this still um, is going to end up uh, placing uh, high on my uh, jam of the year playlist, uh, at least for now. Um, you know, they just get into such a cool groove. Um, Rick and Peter were also like standing on stage, like playing off each other. Uh, the dual guitar attack, as we mentioned in the leg one recap, um, you know, their guitar interplay has been so, so good so far in 2022. Um, and it was, it was just phenomenal. And then there's that part towards the end where the drums fade out. And then there's that bit of space and then they just come back in like a hammer uh, for the end. And it was unbelievable. It was an awe. Yeah, this was, this was a rowdy one to watch live. I'd, I mean, I, I recall specific moments where they were showing the crowd and just um, the intro with the drums. And, and like you said, Neil, um, great point, 45 minutes of music that a majority of the people in that, in that audience had never heard those songs, you know, a casual fan might not have heard born yet. Um, and then the other two, of course. Uh, yeah. I, I think this ha song, you know, on the studio cut, but lives got sort of, you got sort of Peter Gabriel-ish, Tears for Fears, like love it, sort of 80s feel. Um, and then sort of a rave-like beat. And uh, just, I, it's it's going to be, I think, one of the songs of the year. I was telling you guys, I, I can't wait to hear this song at Red Rocks. I can already just like picture it going insane. Mm -hmm. Wisteria-like jam, like you said, Ryan, spot on. Tom's, a lot of Ben. Highlight MVP of the night for sure. 100%. Why not? why not lead one more jam? So Brian, what do you think of this one? This was just a beast, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Had this, had this on repeat 
when the when the single dropped for for a number of days there's you know there's there's like a primal energy to this song mm-hmm. and that that's what i was really hoping would come across when they when they played it live and and it definitely did it's not not surprising at all that it did so and, and i agree with ryan i mean I, yeah this is it's a great jam i you know i don't i i i'll need some some time for all, all this stuff to sink in ryan's you know, very careful about his hasty ranking yeah yeah i'm i'm not i'm not known to be a hasty ranker uh mm-hmm. i do rank the show very high from and as i was sitting sitting here with kevin at my place and we were watching it uh when, when it it's funny because it, it ended and then we immediately just kind of kept partying and threw the the twitch replay on and i think we ended up watching all of set three like two more times <laughs> went back went back to silver rising went back to to, to centerman so yeah, we uh, we we loved it, uh, having a great time. It is, it, like I said, just you know, we, we I think we also mentioned that night, you know, kind of like can we knew the night was wrapping up, and so you know there were there were a few more jokes about oh bangers, you know, and yeah, so we we were throwing around hashtag primal banger on this, just so yeah, j- just it's a mo- it's going to be a monster. This monster first version, so yeah, loved it. My you know as I listen back. I, I kind of felt like the, end, the the very end felt just a touch awkward to me, and I'm sure that's either just just my ears or or you know being the first time played and 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 I'm not quite sure what what might have happened, but it kind of felt like it was just fading. It, it, it was it was very nicely fading, although almost all the way out, and then real briefly kind of built back into the, one of the main themes. Uh, themes and then I, I i felt like it rather abruptly ended after that so i kind of wondered had they just faded out you know would that have sounded nice or it didn't not it, it didn't come back enough for, for a big triumphant you know crushing ending so i kind of felt like that fade you know really really was sounding cool to me so uh but anyway that's one tiny one tiny critique of, of an otherwise just monster version of Dripfield. And I, I'm excited to see where this song goes uh, in successive plays. For yeah, sure. for sure. Um, so uh, final thoughts like on Dripfield for me. Uh, you know, th- this was the essence of, like, uh, you know, I, I made one tweet that night, which I said, like, Goose, Goose's sound translates to the arena. And, and this song encapsulates that, I think, perfectly. Uh, there was one point where I turned to Ryan and I was like, this sounds like Eminence Front. Yeah. And I don't know if it actually did sound like Eminence Front at one point, but what it did do <laughs> was fill an arena like a song like Eminence Front does, right? Like they play that stuff like before, like basketball games, right? Like that get, like fires up a crowd. And like the, the energy in the building at that point uh, was like similar to like how you would expect that the, a song like Eminence Front to hit a crowd like that. Um, and yeah, it, it, the energy was, was outrageous in this tune. And like, I don't know if that comes across in the recording. I don't know, but, um, it, this one is going to be a huge, huge song for a long, long time. It it has to be. Um, so yeah. What, what a spectacular tune. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, during the encore break, uh, Neil, I think I said to you, like, 
you know, there's only one song they can come out and encore with at this point. And I know, like, you know, the written set list said Tumble, but I don't think there was a lot of doubt in a lot of people's minds. Like, I, I think Arcadia was the pick here. You know, I, I think it's it's arguably the quintessential Goose song, um, you know, and it, 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 there's no such thing as a bad version of Arcadia um, or a subpar version of Arcadia. Um you know, got got another great dose of clav in this one, um, and then Peter hopping on the piano mid jam, um, got into a great space, um, and then, much to my absolute joy, um, right as I was expecting him to tear into that final peak, um, Rick brought it down uh, to that slow ending that we only heard once before uh, last summer, Legend Valley, um, and then proceeded to do exactly what I wished they had done. Um, at Legend Valley, which was, you know, kind of enjoy that that space um, on, on the slow ending for a little bit and then just build it and ramp it back into that searing, normal Arcadia ending. And it was the perfect way to end the show. And, and I just realized I was so excited to talk about the slow ending um, that I completely forgot to mention how the crowd reacted to Arcadia being played. Um, this was the peak of the energy all night felt like everybody was singing along uh at least the first verse like it was just unbelievable it was, it was electric yeah i gotta be honest i was not expecting arcadia you weren't after after the ben and sam proposal i was really feeling a shamalama ding dong maybe even do a hot 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 to close things out um, but in quintessential goose bar goose fashion <laughs> but i'll, I'll settle for the arcadia yeah for sure you bring up a really good point though uh daniel like the the like there was no quintessential bar goose this night right mm-hmm. like this was like goose like coming out and like saying like you know this is this is what we do in an arena and and you know, I think we all can agree that setless construction was very different this night, right? Um, and uh, there were no goofy covers or anything like that. And you know, I I think that made this night pretty special. Yeah, definitely. Very you guys, special. You guys, any thoughts on the Arcadia Jam? <laughs> Slow ending. <laughs> Slow ending was good. Pretty. It was. Uh, admittedly, I think I was after what had just happened before my uh my attention to arcadia was uh it was a proper ending um it was no shamalama ding dong unfortunately but you know arcadia page caruso um you'll get your shamalama yeah no it was great it was a perfect i i thought it was a wonderful way to end the night as well ryan just in terms of set list and yeah energy um seeing it live i'm sure for the first time for you it's like that's a song that I'm singing at the top of my lungs and uh, I, mean, I love it. So. I mean, I, I sang every song at the top of my lungs. <laughs> I, I can, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, it was amazing. Again, perfect way to wrap up a show. Um, and, you know, final thoughts on, on Goosemas and, you know, my first experience seeing Goose live, you know, again, I'll, I'll have more to say on the arena comparison um, in our uh, second half of winter tour uh recap in a few weeks after i've seen them in a theater um but to me it was just you know as we keep saying uh as uh, we've said many many times in this episode their sound translates to arena 
Um, you know, I, I didn't really doubt it, but I, I was just blown away by how at home they sounded. Um, and also in the arena, the light show, um, shout out to Andrew Getty, um, who absolutely killed it. He had like Christmas trees and in, incorporated into the light rig and also like just huge expanded rig. Um, and also a huge shout out to him, um, because he did the whole third set, um, with a massive migraine um and he absolutely continued to kill it um so getty thank you for pushing through um and delivering us uh an absolutely incredible light show um it was amazing and uh to the rest of the goose crew who got them there you know just an absolutely incredible night um and i look forward to many many more goose shows in the future and i i, I said it in my uh in my blog post about the show um, but I, I came to a realization during Arcadia that like, you know, decades from now, I will be taking my children to see Goose, uh, you know, and it just, it was just a really special moment for me. Um, so yeah, what were your guys' final thoughts on the show? So my, my final thoughts are, and one, just to reiterate from earlier, they, I felt, I felt like this was a true performance. They crushed everything. I mean, it was a very clean show in terms of, of their execution and, and the, you know, the, the execution of the songs, everything was played really well. And, you know, again, six, 15 plus minute jams, nothing, nothing, no, no 20, 25 minute monsters, but I don't think that that necessarily detracts from the show and just a couple of really quick stats. So, Again, I'm not I'm not necessarily breaking this down into sets. I'm just looking at, at the overall kind of body of music from the night. So 187 minutes of what was the total time. And the the longest show of leg one was Louisville at 169 minutes. So only 18 minutes longer, even even with the the you know the three sets. And so they played 15 songs. Three other shows actually from leg one had 15 songs. Um, and the the next longest of those shows with 15 songs was 164 minutes. So I only point that out because, you know, we talk about a lack of those monster jams, but they they really made the most out of fifth only playing 15 songs over the over the course of you know, over three hours of music. So, so definitely a lot of, a lot of good music here, a lot of good jams. And yeah, this is, I mean, this is slotted in at the top of my, you know, show rankings so far. I think so. Super fun, super fun show. Not, not too much different. Yeah. Great night front to back statement performance, really happy for the band um, and everybody that, you know, put the time and energy into making this happen community super excited for everybody i can't wait to see everybody over the next couple of weeks and months and throughout the year and um yeah just fucking stoked for you ryan that was awesome it'll be fun to like you said twist it right like you got their biggest show space wise to date for your first and then the perspective shift that it's going to occur so i i've seen a show at 9 30 i think you're gonna have a blast the next two nights man thank you yeah um you know, my thoughts on it were um, there. That second set was like one of the most perfectly crafted sets I think I've heard in a really, really long time. Um, like they really thought hard about every single set of this show. There were no throwaway songs at all. Um, 
And, you know, I, I think Brian said it earlier, like the, the, um, everything was just played super well. Uh, and I enjoyed every bit of that show. There was no point where I was like, Oh, I'm like, you know, I'm going to go grab a beer or like go to the bathroom or anything like that. Um, yeah, that second set, like I said, was like perfect. That third set, um, was like a real, like hardcore goose fans kind of set. And I think in time, uh, folks are going to really come to appreciate that set. Um, cause I don't think we're going to get many sets like that, uh, going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope we do. Um, but I don't know if you're going to get that continuous thread of music, uh, like you did in, in that set. Uh, I had an amazing time at that show, despite being cripplingly tired, um, having only slept three hours the night before trying to make it to this show from Florida. Um, what, I mean, it was an amazing time. And then my other thought about this show was, it, it, uh, and I think this is like what Goosemas is, um, and this doesn't translate in the recordings or anything like that, is that it's such a celebration. There's all these people getting into the space together, and there were so many people who knew each other there. And there were like hugs and high fives going around like everywhere. And that energy just kind of added to the whole entire experience. Like, I don't know how many people I said hi to and hugged at that show. I, I actually am kind of, in retrospect, shocked by the amount of people uh, that I that I needed to go see and find. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still didn't see all the people I wanted to see. And that's the first time at a Goose show that like there were like a handful of people that I really wanted to go and see at the show that I didn't find. Um, but at the same time, there was still that huge community feel. Um, I think that's something that's, I don't know if it's unique to Goose, but it's a big part of like the Goose experience. Um, there is a core of fans that, that really love this band and they're everywhere that they play. Uh, and so I was so happy to see so many people at that show. Yeah. Um, and, and before we wrap up, uh, you know, we posted on Twitter earlier, um, asking some people to share their favorite moments of the show, um, whether they were there or not. So welcome to the inaugural Always Almost There mailbag segment. Um, <laughs> nice. Brian, would you like to kick us off? Uh, take a tweet. Okay, so now I know that. So Robert Hunter Hurst Helmsley. I feel like there should be a, a third or a fourth after that. At at, at J Bello one hundred three. Thank you, Ryan. And I'm quoting now. Loved hearing "Born Hunger Strike" Dripfield as the third set. Thought it was pretty brave on their part too easily could have just jammed out a couple of the hits and called it a night shows how confident they are with their new stuff and the crazy energy of the entire night. So yeah, that, that sums up, I think a lot of our thoughts and a lot of things that we said tonight. So I think that that was an excellent observation and contribution to the thread from Robert Hunter Hurst Helmsley. Thank you, sir. The third. We've got a good one. We've got a good one coming in from Juzzle the Wise at underscore Juzzle. What up, Juzzle? Uh, that's with a J. Yes. That's with a J. Um, born the rich and Peter little interplay they had for a few minutes. Soft and sweet and so damn good. That's a great way to describe it. Um, you know, it's it's no soft bed of piano, but uh, <laughs> very, very good descriptor. Um, you know, and I look forward to, as we mentioned, I look forward to seeing how that continues to evolve over time straight jazzing jazzle <laughs> um i had to uh give a shout out to my 
my boy Jeremy Fink at Minturn Mile, um, and he shared a little clip of Redbird, uh, the vocal, the chorus with uh, the harmonies and a couple of uh, my tots. Um, shout out to the t- Todd's Goose Tots, um, little group chat, and uh, they were having fun, just straight up, as this says by the hashtag, Redbird with the people in the know, straight burden. <laughs> Always straight. That's bird. some that 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 is actually some quality burden too. So props it to is. those guys for Yeah, these guys are burden hard. Shout out yeah. to Jeremy Fink. Oh, I'm actually watching that tweet right now. Um yeah, uh well I was gonna do one, which was like my own, but I'm not gonna do that one. I'm gonna do uh be Dunn's be under at be underscore done, uh a, a friend of, of many on, on this podcast. Um and someone who I actually wanted to meet at the show, which is like kind of follows like this thread and I didn't get a chance to find him. I saw him from afar at one point, but I never made it to him. Uh, but he shouted out meeting so many great people, Ryan Storm, uh, August Times, Jay Silco, Greg Knight Music, Ben Jeff and Trevor at 4 a.m., uh, which, you know, follows what I was saying earlier. There's just uh, such a great community out there uh, at these shows. Uh, and then, of course, my tweet, which was uh, seeing <laughs> Ryan Storm lose his shit uh, at the start of Empress. Uh, that was probably the the greatest thing I think I've ever seen at a live performance of anything. Yeah, I, I you know, thank you everybody for listening to this recap. Uh, you know, such such an incredible uh, show for the band. Uh, you know, such an incredible show for the fans. Um, really, really grateful that I was able to be there for my first show. Looking forward to many, many more. Um, and um, you know, we'll be back uh, in a few weeks with our recap of the second leg of Winter Tour. Really looking forward to how the band continues to expand um, over that time. Um, yeah. Anyone else got anything else? I think. Yeah, super stoked. I, I, you know, after this Goosemas show, now we get more. Now we just get more shows straight away. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, super stoked. Hopefully, we get some official streams. Um, if we don't. Hopefully we get some more awesome high quality fan streams. So super stoked. Can't wait for tomorrow already. Much love to Kev. Much love, Much to, love Kev. to Kev. Miss you, buddy. Much love to Ryan, Kev. You, Ryan, you'll be in DC and then what else? And and so I will be uh, DC and Charlotte and then next week, uh, Royal Oak and Cleveland. Nice. Uh, and I will be in Philly. So we hope to see some of you out there. Heck yeah. Right um, All right. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Always Almost There. See you out there on tour. Hope you have a fantastic day. Peace. Peace. Take care, folks. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. 
tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Dave Gebro. I threw my career as a licensed hearing instrument specialist in the trash, sold my house, and created the ultimate music obsessives podcast, Discograffiti. Each episode of Discograffiti features an eclectic and wide-ranging slew of cool musicians doing long-form deep-dive interviews in which we rate either their favorite band's output or their own from zero to five stars. From Mike Watt rating the Minutemen to Terry Kirkman from The Association, Bob Nastanovich on Pavement, Bob Forrest on The Band, Bob Mayer on The Replacements, and Lou Barlow on The Zombies, each new guest swings a hard left into an area you either had no idea you needed to know about or know all about and can't believe you're not alone out there. Coming up, here's who we've got on the program. The Lemon Twigs, Robert Schneider from The Apples in Stereo, the Dedrick siblings from The Free Design, Joel Self on mother-murdering superstar drummer Jim Gordon and a record-breaking 20-hour interview with the great Michelle Phillips about the mamas and the papas. You're not going to want to miss it because there's nothing quite like it. Don't let your youth go to waste, lads and ladies. Discograffiti. Subscribe.